Good morning. It's Friday, February 22nd, 2013, and we have a great show planned for you today on the Executive Girlfriends Group. Our guest this morning is author Kendra Lee, and Kendra spends her time writing about a topic that is near and dear to my heart, and that is how to increase sales. And our show today is going to focus on her most recent book, The Sales Magnet. And I am hoping that I end up being a sales magnet by the end of this show. Kendra, welcome. Well, thank you for having me today, Chickie. It's it's a lot, it's a pleasure to be here with your whole group. Well, we are excited to talk about this because, you know, we have just come off of a couple of very, very tough years in business. I happen to be in the travel industry and spend a, a lot of time, uh, you know, launching new ventures and, and trying new things. And so sales is is really uh, that key that is going to open the door for entrepreneurial success for me. So I need this show today personally, and I am just so excited to have you uh, to share just a, uh, a lot of your secrets with us, and, and uh, we've got a, a fairly large group that uh, listens to the show every week, so we are excited to share that out with a fairly broad group of people. So, Kendra, I like to start out with hearing about you. Uh, before we start talking about your book or your business, tell us a little bit about Kendra. Well, you would laugh. Um, I'm happy to try and give you tips to turn you into a sales magnet in our time together because... I actually started my sales career in accounting. <laughs> Interesting. And, you know, like a lot of entrepreneurs, um, I knew I wanted to do something more than just be in accounting. And I was, I wanted to go beyond what I was doing in uh, my role. And as such, you know, I kept looking at sales thinking, well, this looks kind of interesting. This looks kind of fun. And so I eventually was able to move into sales. And as as I moved into sales, one of um, the biggest challenges, of course, that I encountered was how was I going to find leads? Um, So that's kind of what brought me to writing the book, um, if we look at it there. Um, right. But I have a long, fun story that I didn't want to take too much of our time if we're going to turn you into a sales magnet. <laughs> well, I, I love hearing the personal side of the stories because we invariably we find intersections and connections that, that uh, you know, helps us uh, better understand the material. So that's true, I know, for our listeners as well for me. Absolutely. Well, so... Um, I started, as I said, in accounting and um, knew that I wanted to do more than that and moved into sales. At the time, I was working for IBM. They were looking to reduce their headcount in their overhead positions, which all of us can certainly understand in today's market. Uh, And they offered up sales positions to anybody who wanted them. And so I thought, well, this sounds kind of interesting and being young and foolish. I decided I would go off and try my hand at selling. Right. (laughs) Um, And, you know, one of the cool things about IBM at the time was they had a year-long sales program to teach you how to learn how to sell. Mm. But the challenge that I ran into is that they needed salespeople out in the field sooner. So after three months, 
I was, it was only three months, my manager decided I probably knew enough and I should go sell. <laughs> so, so she Nothing like putting me. you on the spot. <laughs> yes, nothing like. And so she stuck me in a territory. They handed me this list of prospects and they said, go sell. And so guess what my sales training was? <laughs> on the job. Well, and, and all I had learned in my three months were what all of our products were uh, and how to conduct a sales call. So that's what I learned in my sales training before they um, decided that I now was qualified to go sell. And off I went to do my selling. The wow. good news is, though, I think I have a talent for it. Because in spite of being given a terrible, terrible territory, and I mean terrible, it had sold hardly nothing in three years. It had sold less than 300000 They stuck me in it and told me that I had a million-dollar quota. So here mm. I am, qualified <laughs> after just yeah three months, and taught all of the product training, learned how to conduct a good sales call, kind of learned what a sales process was, right. and was told, you can do a million-dollar quota. <laughs> but... You know, I made my first year, my number, by the skin of my teeth, like at the last two days of the year. Right. And I got done with that, and I said, I am not doing this again. <laughs> this wow. is too hard. <laughs> and that's when I figured out that there were easier ways to sell than just cold calling, you know, to right. figure out where your prospects were. And I put this whole strategy in place that became my first book, Selling Against the Goal, um, so that others would not have to struggle the way that I did. Right. And then I did ultimately leave IBM, since you were interested in, in my story, and knew, as I had told you at the beginning, that I wanted to start my own company. And when I started... KLA group, um, what I did is I went out to all of my customers and said, you know, what is it that you, do you think that I should um, consult with you or train you on all these techniques that I had learned? Because while I was at IBM, I actually ended up in their top 2% of salespeople. So, wow. yeah, I had done pretty well. I perfected it. <laughs> This whole strategy. And when I went out to my clients and asked them, you know, what would you prefer if I started a business that would teach salespeople or consult with salespeople about how to effectively find new prospects and fill their pipelines, what would be the best way to do that? They came back and said, oh, you know, we'd really prefer that you train them. And so I launched our company, KLA Group, around training salespeople how they could more effectively find new prospects and ultimately do it without cold calling. But we had right. so many different people that wanted to know that it led me to write my first book, Selling Against the Goal, um, based on actually a class that at the time we were training people. Interesting. So that's a little bit of my background. <laughs> well, that's very, very interesting, and it, and it explains a little bit about why there, you know, was such a long gap uh, in between the books. Because quite often, when someone transitions uh, from a corporate career and uh, you know does consulting and then has a successful book, then they become an author by trade, an author and speaker, versus uh, you know maintaining their consulting practice. 
and I know you have maintained uh, your sales consulting practice. And I love the moniker uh, that has been given to you, which is prospect attraction expert. And yes. uh, whether whether that is self-assigned <laughs> or someone decided that that's what they were going to give to you, that's what you have to live up to now. So yes. let's, let's uh, dive right into talking about uh, the book, The Sales Magnet. And the, the tagline underneath this is really what I think is so important about this, and that is how to get more customers without cold calling. And before we dive into the content of the book, um, you did co-author this um, uh, with someone else. Was that person just a, a researcher for you, or tell us a little bit about Jill? Um, I actually did not co-author it. Jill wrote the foreword Oh, the for foreword. The okay. Got yeah. it. And um, Jill is someone that uh, I have worked closely with over the years. And in fact, her first book came out the same time my first book, Selling Against the Goal, came out. And we got Great. to know each other because we had the same publisher. Ah, and we had stayed in touch and talked about, you know, what we see happening and selling um, and how we are guiding our clients to respond to it. So it's been a fun collaboration to have. Oh, I love it. Yeah, a Amazon happens to kind of make it look like your co-author, so I apologize for that misconception, but I uh, always like to hear about the people who are behind the scenes and whether that just be the person who inspired you to write uh, or, or the folks who helped you make it a success. So let's dive right in. And the very first uh, section of the book, uh, and, and the book is, is separated in, into sections so that people can get their head around uh, you know, these different parts of the sales process. The first part is prepare yourself for a barrage of prospects. So how, how do we get from knowing we've got a great product and knowing in general who it was targeted for, how do we get that down to the prospect list? Well, there are four things you want to do that will really help you get that barrage of prospects. And, I, and, and, and it's true. You know, people say, oh, you're just writing that. But we actually have salespeople that we have worked with who get so many leads, they don't know what to do. And so that's where I got the whole title for that section, because if you use the strategies, you really will get a barrage of prospects. So the four keys are that you want to, as I call it in the book, get your focus first. So figure out who it is that you are targeting right. and group them similarly so that then you can get your grabber, which is your message that you're going to use that will really resonate with that group of prospects. Your message makes you look like an expert because it's so specific to them. And because it's so specific to them, it's going to catch their attention. Right. So you've got your focus, you get your grabber, and then the third thing is, is you connect your efforts. A lot of people who are prospecting have one approach that they use. And in today's market, with all the different communication methods that are out there and all the noise that is out there and all the opportunities for your prospects to do research, mm -hmm. one way is too limiting. So you want to use, ideally, several different what I call prospect attraction strategies, 
and connect them into a campaign that will keep you in front of them and almost make you ubiquitous because they see you in multiple places. Right. And then the fourth thing is to make an offer that, as I say in the book, they can't refuse. It's not enough anymore to call someone and suggest that you get together for a meeting because you can, you've got a product that's going to help them. It's right. just not enough. You're not going to get anybody to respond to that call. And unfortunately, that's mostly what people will say, whether sure. they're doing it through email or calling. And so with the offer, you are using something that marketing people use, and that's an educational offer of some kind that addresses that business issue that you've uncovered that that group potentially has right. that continues to demonstrate your expertise. So those four things combined are what get you that barrage of prospects. So then help us understand how you, you take that that plan and and actually pick the right attraction strategies uh, for both the channels and the audience that you're after. And let me just kind of set a little bit of a framework for you. I, I've spent my entire career in the travel industry, and I'm, I am uh, very much uh, the expert on travel distribution, so the technologies and business models uh, to marry buyers and sellers. And and so I have, of, of late, have tried to parlay that into something new. And so I'm stepping out into a new audience that I don't know a lot about, and, and that's the nonprofit world, and taking a product I know an awful lot about, and that's travel websites, and marrying those two together. So uh, I'm very, very adept at social media, and, uh, you know, I, I know how to uh, establish myself as an expert in a particular area. So... Help help me and help our listeners understand how you can take your set of assets, and whether it's your your personal assets that you bring to the table as either an entrepreneur or as a salesperson for an established company, and your product uh, attributes, and translate that into a personal attraction strategy. That is great, and I love how you have framed it. So if we look at your situation, you've identified your target market as nonprofits. You're moving into a new market, and that's perfectly okay, and we're all going to do that because it's how we grow our businesses. Right. Um, you have a service that you know inside and out. That's your travel website. Now, here's right. the thing. To catch prospects' attention today, you're not going to approach them and talk about your travel website. Instead, what you're going to do is you're going to ask yourself, what's going on in nonprofits that they need a travel website? What's happening in their organizations, businesses, if we want to call them businesses, their associations, what's going on right. that is that issue and that's where we're getting our um, grabber okay so you're going to brainstorm a list of what those issues are that your travel website could help them with exactly. and then that becomes your core set of messages that you're going to put together in your campaign to approach this target market okay 
Got so it. you've got your audience, your focus, you've got your grabber, which are those issues or trigger events that are going on, and now you're going to connect your efforts. So in choosing which strategies to use, in the book I talk about 14 different ones, mm-hmm. and I group them into personal, digital, and collaborative, and we may right. talk more about that. But what you really want to do is identify those that are you are most comfortable with and that you think that target market pays attention to. So right. you're very adept at social media. There are lots of nonprofits out there who pay attention to social media. So that absolutely can be one of your strategies. You have a radio show. So you've got good content that you may use that applies to their business issues, potentially. Right. Even in your radio show, if you blog, you may have offers. So these all become your offers that you could use. So what you want to do is identify those offers that you can use and then the strategies you're comfortable with. Now, mm-hmm. social media alone would take longer to penetrate a new market. Right, because right. And so you talk first about those personal strategies, tapping into more traditional communication, yes. email, letters, postcards, personal yes. networking. Yes. So and, and the telephone, the dreaded telephone. <laughs> and the dreaded telephone. But you know what? The telephone isn't dreaded anymore this way. What we do is we move it from the beginning of the process where you're doing cold calling and then you're following up with an email to the end or the middle of your campaign after you've warmed it up and you've built some awareness. So you may do your social media. Let's say you do some blogging and you're also maybe going to do an email campaign. Or you may do personal letters so that you start to catch the attention of the nonprofits. Well, after you've done that for a period of time, and I'm not talking a long time because we're salespeople, we're hungry for leads. So Maybe you do that for six weeks, and then you pick up the phone and you call. And and now you've warmed it up. You've got a reason that you're calling, and depending on what systems you're using, you may even know if they have clicked through to listen to a radio show or to exactly. read a blog post that you suggested or view a video that you suggested. Or they or you could see if they read your emails, mm-hmm. if you, you know, if you were doing an email campaign. So you have now warmed it up before you place the call. It's not cold anymore. Right. So that that would be how you could enter a new market. And we have one sales rep in particular. It's very interesting. Um, we do a class that actually trains you how to put together these campaigns. And I teach it all in the book as well. Right. She, she attended the class. She's a salesperson, but she doesn't like cold calling. And so she has put together her campaigns using a combination of just email and phone. And she runs a series of emails over six weeks. She includes the educational offers. She's doing it to her targeted group. And then she calls. And what was interesting is she was doing cold calling before. And now she's using an approach where she warms it up first builds awareness, and then calls. And what she's finding is she's got so many leads that where she was originally planning to 
launch two new target markets every single month, mm-hmm. that she's had to scale back to where she's only launching into a new target market every eight weeks. So she's wow. gone from thinking she needed two new groups a month to only one every two months. Right. And to top it off, her list wasn't that big. Her first list had under 100 people on it. So so gone are the days where you need a list of 1,000 people. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because um, one of the things that social media has done is to make you think that you have to have thousands and thousands. And I, I was just talking to one yep. of my clients this week uh, about why it's important for her to stat, to establish herself as an expert in her field. And, and her field happens to be the video side of the travel industry and aggregating and distributing video. And, and so I was encouraging her to write articles and, and to establish a blog. Um, and, and in fact, it's funny because many of the things that you talk about in your digital attraction strategies, leveraging articles in other people's blogs as well. Uh, but I said, you know, my blog, I only have a hundred people who are subscribed to my blog, uh, but those are the right hundred people that I yep. want reading my message because it's a B2B blog. And yep. I, I think that this is one of the things I'd like you to address, whether the sales strategies are different if you are selling uh, B2B, which it sounds like your your focus has been that, or if you are trying to figure out uh, you know, how to sell something more broadly to, to the general public. Yes, our focus has been B2B. You are uh-huh. right in that, much more than it has been C2C or B2C. Right. Um, right. So you do not need a big list. And here's what you want to think about, because I know you've got all different listeners. You want to look at what's the size of your organization and what's your role. You know, If you're the business owner and you're trying to aggressively grow your organization, you are going to want a bigger overall list. Your target markets don't have to be bigger, but you're going to want a bigger list that you're targeting because you're just trying to grow your company. If you're a sales rep, you have to take into consideration just how many leads can you follow up on. You know, If I go back to the example of the one sales rep I was telling you about, her list, I, I think she had a list of 57 people. That's all she had on her list. Like you, you have a list of 100. You know, if you're going to run a campaign that's targeted to 57 or 100 people and part of your campaign is to call everybody at some point and check in with them and see, you know, have they been finding value in what you've been sending to them? What are the issues that they're encountering? Because if we can just get them talking, we'll uncover opportunities. At some point, you've got to be able to call all those people. And as one person, in the midst of everything else that you have to do, 57 or 100 people is a lot of people for one person to call. Yes. So uh, that's one aspect to look at. The other is I'd rather have, as you said, that right group. I would rather have a very defined target market that I am working with because a much higher percentage of that very highly defined target market will respond. And the reason they will is because your messaging is going to be so targeted. I would imagine your blog posts are written 
with those 100 people in mind, are they not? Oh, yeah, very definitely. And and I've got multiple blogs, but this particular one is is uh, on on travel distribution, which is is my established expertise. Right. And uh, you know, it's interesting because I I haven't started blogging per se on uh, on the other topics because you're right, my radio shows actually fill you know that other area of expertise. But you know, I'm I'm glad you talked about the woman who wasn't comfortable with the various other electronic forms because not everyone is uh, a social media aficionado or or wouldn't even know how to uh, establish themselves with a blog and, and get a following. So you do spend a significant part of the book about picking your digital attraction strategies, e-newsletters, articles and blogging, leveraging articles and other people's blogs, social networking, using social media to promote other attraction strategies, and online PR. So what what do you find in your classes? How do people respond to this section if, if they have been technophobes or you know socialphobes, if you will? Well, a lot of them actually end the classes going, okay, now it doesn't look as overwhelming. The reason right. that they've been technophobes is they don't know how to go about it. They don't know what to do. You know, if you've never done Twitter, Twitter sounds complicated. They don't realize how simple it is. You just go out and you start commenting. Right. <laughs> it's really not hard. <laughs> um, and many of them are already on LinkedIn, and they don't realize, oh, this is another social platform. If I join a few groups and participate in a few conversations where my target market might be, I could get my message out there. So a lot of the time for the people who have been technophobes, it's just showing them how to do it and how, you know, how to get started. What do I say? And that's really the big thing. They don't know what to talk about. And the thing I always hear as it relates to, say, Twitter is, you know, I don't want to get on and tell people what I had for lunch. Well, good, <laughs> exactly. because they don't want to know. Yeah, exactly. We don't <laughs> want to read it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so helping them know if we're talking about social media, what is it that you say and how frequently do you have to participate because that's their other concern. Right. Um, you know, and, and how do you choose? When do you use Facebook and what are you going to when are you going to choose to do Twitter versus LinkedIn and what about Pinterest especially if you've got B2C users or product um listeners then Pinterest is another one that they may choose to use right. so it's just understanding it and once they understand it and how it fits within their overall lead generation strategy or their prospecting strategy they get it right. then there are others that blogging or e-newsletters are great. You know, I bet you a lot of your listeners have actually had e-newsletters for years. You know, I look back and I think we started our e-newsletter in 1999. You know, we've had it for years. Right. And, and they've been called many different things, e-newsletters, e-zines. If they've been converted to blogs, now they're called blogging. Um, and so it's it's more a matter of looking at how do you pull it all together right and use it and that's the that's the piece i think that people have been missing they may be doing some of them but they don't know how to combine what they're doing as a personal attraction strategy what they're doing for digital and then what they're doing in collaboration and how do we right. create that connected effort well, and I, I think the other interesting thing is 
strangely enough, I think a lot of people don't understand what their own goal is. And you talked at the beginning about a sales goal, you know, an impossible sales goal. But, you know, I know for myself, and and because I have multiple products, I you know, I've been a strategic consultant for many years, and, and I've been a technology entrepreneur, and uh, and there are many different things that I could do, uh, you know, to make money. And Patty and I were having this discussion this morning, uh, my executive producer, of, uh, you know, she was asking me how things are going, and am I caught up? I just got back from a two-week mission trip in Poland. And I said, well, you know, being caught up is kind of a funny thing because you have to actually know what your your goal is. And, and I, I my real goal right now is to figure out, you know, where I'm going next. And so for salespeople, you know, I mean, I think about whether they really have articulated what, what does success look like. And for me in the past, because I've been a, in a service-oriented business versus a product-oriented business, going to a trade show or an industry event and having somebody say to me, you know, you are everywhere. You know, I see you on LinkedIn and I see you uh, commenting on this and that. Uh, to me, that is is a mark of my success. If, you know, I've reached my audience. Maybe they haven't bought from me, but if somebody says they need strategic consulting, they'll pass my name on. So how do you help people? And I, I know that there isn't an, an express uh, part of the book that is dedicated to this, but I know from what you have said that goal setting has got to be an, an incredible uh, part of this beginning uh, to even figure out where you're going so that you can know that the strategy will help you get there. You're right, and in my first book, Selling Against the Goal, I actually started, the book starts with the goal setting. Got it. Um, The mistake that a lot of salespeople make is not having their own goals. Their goal is whatever quota they're given. Right. Interestingly, there are a lot of companies out there that don't give their sales reps quotas, and then those sales reps really are going along with no goal. Right. And for entrepreneurs, the goal is, from a sales perspective, what do you want to sell this year? And even 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 though you say that you know you view success as being ubiquitous, being everywhere, and having people recognize that, and you're in the right audience, you also have a revenue goal in the back of your mind. Right. Whether you are a uh, a single practitioner in your business or you own the business, we all have a revenue goal that we want to achieve. And so really when we're talking about lead generation and prospecting and sales, it starts with knowing what your personal goal is. Right. As the business owner, that's easier because we're going to look and we're going to say, you know, I want to be at X number of dollars at the end of the year or I want to grow my business. And some people don't want to grow. They just want to maintain Right. Or, you know, and that's okay, sort of. <laughs> well, I think- no, you brought up a really important point, and and I, I think you may be getting to this in your, your comments and your response to what I said, is they may not be able to handle the amount of business that yep. would be generated by a really great strategy. I, again, yes. I'm dealing with a client right now that they don't have a huge uh, sales and support infrastructure. And so if we do something that's really super successful, I'm worried uh, about whether they're going to be able to handle the outcome. Right. And, you know, when we're consulting with our clients about this, 
you know, they all say, create that problem for me. And it's like, no, (laughs) (laughs) it's not what you want to do. You want to think ahead and say, do I have the operations to support it? Do I have the sales staff to follow up? And there are absolutely things you can do to your campaigns. You know, you reduce the size of your list. Um, You don't run them as frequently. There are absolutely things you can do to control it, but you have to be aware that once you start that opening that pipeline and you get that barrage of leads, you have to know how you're going to respond to it. Exactly. And that starts with the goal setting piece. You know, if you're going to run a lead generation campaign or you're going to do prospecting as a sales rep in a very methodical campaign approach like we're talking about, you want to know what are your goals at the end. How much of it do you need to do to achieve those goals so that you don't wear yourself out? Right. Yeah, and it's interesting. My husband uh, about a year ago took a a sales position, and he had been out of the sales uh, world for, uh, gosh, almost 12 years. And fortunately for him, he went right back into a job where he knew the product really well. And although he didn't know the local market here in Florida, uh, he had been calling on the same class of of uh, clients uh when we lived in Georgia and his his uh company doesn't give him any sales goals but what they do give him is he has to make eight calls a day face to face and uh because he's calling on cities and counties he can go into a city and he can call on different departments within the city and that counts as calls and you know what the company understands is that by touching each of those prospects you know eight times a day that they're going to get their sales goals. You know, they they have right. kind of backed into it from that. And so how do you address um the frequency of communication? You've talked a little bit about uh, you know, newsletters and and email campaigns that, you know, kind of build over a 6-week period. You know, what is too much and what is not enough uh in these uh strategies for reaching your prospects? Great question. So not enough is um, let's use calling as an example. A lot of people will make one call and then they'll wait to see if they get a response. And then they might make another call next week, might be two weeks from now. And they might only make three calls. And if they don't get a response, they're going to let it go. Well, here's a statistic for you. In today's market, it takes between 9 and 11 touches to get Mm. a prospect to become aware that you are really trying to reach them. They will ignore you before that if you do not have name recognition, either you personally or your company. So if you give up after those three times, you will get nowhere. I mean, eventually you'll uncover some, but you'll uncover so many fewer than if you were to say, I'm going to keep going. So you have to touch them frequently enough that they're aware that you're trying to reach them, but not so much that you annoy them. And it actually varies with your attraction strategy. With, um, With email, if you are doing lead generation, you're a salesperson and you're trying to uncover new leads, we say um, to reach out every three to four days over a two-week period, then let it rest for a little bit right. and start in again. 
contrast that to um, if you're doing nurturing where you want to build awareness with them but you don't want to be too pushy, then you would try to reach them every two to three weeks over a period of time. Now, clearly with the nurturing, you're not going to see immediate leads from that. You have to right. run one of those campaigns for four or five months, and then you'll start to see responses. Got it, got it. Well, so and, really, you know, I, I think what strikes me from what you have just been sharing with us, and, and we haven't gotten deeply into the uh, the collaborative attraction strategies, but, you know, this is online events and attracting pros- prospects um, with your expertise at events, and that can be speaking or, or doing a workshop, uh, attending local events and, and uh, doing various things with partners. Um, there is no one-size-fits-all. Um, and, and the product that you're selling, I know for me, I have not had any success with local events. And I, I continue to speak at them. Uh, but that's more about establishing expertise. But most of the local events that I've found and the local networking that I have found is much better uh, if you're selling a local product or service it, and that is um, you know, in a, a lower-end price range. I sell high-priced high strategic consulting, and people aren't shopping for that at these local events. It depends. You, here again, it's knowing who your audience is and where they are. Mm-hmm. So we also sell you know high-end consulting and training and one of our largest clients came from a local chamber event interesting it so you just it depends on the topic and and where you might find your audience but so you really have to look and see where does your audience go now for you you might do better with a web-based event where you can target your list of people that really are your prospects instead of leaving it up to the local event providers to bring people in right you you get to bring the people in or you collaborate with somebody who also is selling to your target audience and you do an event that you're both marketing right and you're both speaking at so you really have to look and see where will I find my audience and in your case right. you've discovered they're not local, so that's just not going to be where you go. Exactly. Well, you know, what you're talking about now, uh, Kendra, is really uh, what you cover in Part 5 of the book, which is pulling it all together, choosing your attraction strategies and, and the ones that are a good fit for both you and your product. And then you may end up with multiple strategies, and yes. uh, that can produce many prospects, and you need to make sure that you're ready. Um, so what I'd like, uh, just in these last couple of minutes that we have, I'd like you to address, you know, what if the prospects aren't responding, which is one of your last chapters, and and then how can you turn that lack of response into the opposite of that, which is becoming a sales magnet? When your prospects are not responding, you you want to look at why, there, and there are a number of things that you can examine. You don't want to get discouraged and say, oh, this is the wrong target market. It could be, but it also could be that your message is off. Right. A lot of times the biggest mistake that we see people make is they either try to be too flashy with their message, so people view it as a promotion, and they delete it before they ever look at it, if it's an email, for example. 
and if you're inviting them to an event and it looks too um, promotional, they're not going to come. So your message could be too product-focused and not focused enough on them. So that's one thing to look at. Mm-hmm. Another one is to look at your offers. You know, Do you have offers that really are compelling to them? They're things that they want to read about or view or listen to or attend. And if they're not, um, then you're not going to get click-throughs. Or if you haven't talked about them in the right way when you have made them. And remember, your offers, you could make your offers in social media or on a blog, in an event, in an email, in a letter. It's all sorts of ways. But if you're not getting the click-throughs and you're using multiple strategies, chances are your message is wrong or your offer is wrong. And then there is the chance that that target market just isn't interested or you've got the wrong, your wrong message, again, to right. that market. So before you throw away your target market, go back and look at those components that we talked about at the beginning and see, do I need to tweak one of them? And if you make some simple adjustments, you can get back on track and actually be filling your pipeline pretty quickly. And my rule of thumb is try it for, well, it depends on your strategy, but I would say try it for, say, three weeks. And if you're not seeing a result within three to four weeks, you're not seeing some click-throughs or maybe some responses, but you're not seeing anything that indicates that people are paying any attention, then look at what you can change. Don't wait a long time. Absolutely. Fail fast. (laughs) Yes, fail fast and move on. There's a heck of a lot of prospects that are out there. Exactly, exactly. Well, Kendra, I uh, so appreciate you walking us uh, through the sales magnet, how to get more customers uh, without cold calling. And, again, your company name is the KLA Group, and you do focus on lead generation, prospecting, new business development, and training and consulting. So uh, is that the best place for people to learn more about you? Are you also present on the various social media channels? We are, yes, um, out on the different social media channels. I'm on Twitter as Kendra Lee, KLA. I'm on LinkedIn as Kendra Lee, and we have a Facebook fan page for the company under KLA Group. There is a website for the book where we actually have free tools that you can go use. Um, They accompany the book, but you can go look and see what's out there. And they're on the website, thesalesmagnet.com, or you can also get to them from our company website, klagroup.com. So lots of different places you can go. I have a plethora of resources out there to help people get started and figure out how can they change their approach because there's no need to have an empty pipeline and I don't care what's going on in the economy or in your area you really can get the leads that you need well excellent you have given us so much to uh, to think about and I, I know I'm going to go back and, and look at my my uh, whole sales process and and, uh, how I am going to get to my goals. So, 
Kendra, thank you so much for your time. Again, the name of the book is The Sales Magnet. Uh, For those of you who are Executive Girlfriends Group members, we do have it available on the Executive Girlfriends Group uh, book site. And it is available through all of the normal channels, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, etc. So, Kendra, I hope you have a great weekend. And thanks so much for giving us so much practical information. Well, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure talking with you, and let me know how it goes as you break into your new market. Oh, I definitely will. In fact, we've been doing it for so long that I may be at that time frame where I need to look at whether I can shift my strategy a little bit. But I definitely will will, uh, (laughs) stay in touch. All right, terrific. And for those of you who want to know more information about the Executive Girlfriends Group, you can find us at executivegirlfriendsgroup.com. Thanks so much for joining us, and we will see you next Friday.